0: faith factor impact episode number eight hey everybody welcome to faith factor impact where we hang out with today's top non-profit thought leaders to get refueled reconnected and inspiration so let's go
1: this isn't like a one or two player game we wouldn't be anything without the community around us and we want our team to reflect strength in our community and the integrity of our mission
0: Great to be alive, Impact listeners. I'm Jay Everline, your host, and I am thrilled to present to you today our featured guest, Jennifer Shiley. Hey, Jennifer, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Jesse. Thank you very much for having me on here today.
0: Jennifer Shiley, a.k.a. Shiley, is the president and CEO of Young Elites, a four-purpose organization that provides full scholarships for high school girls to go through expert programming that inspires their intellectual, physical, and social growth while preparing for a lifestyle of leadership. Sholly has spent her life helping kids. Stand-up comedy, Jay-Z lyrics, and sports and recreation programs have been a part of her toolkit to engage and inspire young people. Sholly is a top-notch thought leader who's doing work that matters and making an impact. So, Shiley, I'm so excited to have you here. I've shared just a little bit with folks about you, but why don't you take a moment and share a little bit with us about you personally?
1: Uh, sure, sure. No, I'm um, I'm honored to be a guest uh, on your show, Jesse. Again, thank you very much. A little bit about me. Um, I grew up in Grove, Pennsylvania, which is just outside of Philadelphia. Um, so, as you can imagine, we were big Philly, Philly sports fans, which um, hasn't always panned out for us. But um, we're a loyal crew. I was the oldest of three kids. You know, my family had its struggles financially, uh, but my mom and dad always always worked hard, though, um, always came to our games and even coached when we were little. Throughout my school years and growing up, though, I had a pretty rough time. I was a bit of a townboy and I excelled at sports. So that and the fact that I kept myself uh, made me an easy target for bullying, which was uh, literally every day um, of my life from like sixth grade through graduation. So I was really, really. Tough. Um, but, you know, the first day I moved into college, I remember riding up the elevator to uh, my floor and the guy who I soon found out would be living next to me, uh, introduced himself and he started calling me Shyly. And my teammates, of course, called me Shyly. And I've been Shyly ever since. So it's kind of like my shot starting over, um, at being myself. And, uh, you know, as far as getting to where I am today, I had one goal in fifth grade, um, and that was to be a college basketball player. And, you know, like I said, it was a tough childhood. So working toward that goal, literally kept me alive it was my lifeline um but after college basketball i really have no plans and no clue i've only ever known what i didn't want for myself you know i didn't want to just get by i'm competitive so i need to win i love learning and being being and growing at all times. time so i can't sit still and i can't be average you know so i keep moving i keep making mistakes and getting back up and repeating that that procedure and here i am now <laughs> Yeah, but that's just like a little
0: bit about me. Yeah, you know, it's funny when we first spoke, and and um, I got, a, I kind of got confused. I was like Jennifer Shally, but you kept calling your name. You're you're calling yourself Shally, and I I thought to myself, well, this this sounds like uh, someone who played sports because you know in sports everybody's called by their last name. Um So I, I just thought that that was really neat, and I completely resonated with that because all through college. And high school uh, sports, you know, people call me Everline, so um, <laughs> good stuff. So we always start the show off with a reflection, and I know you've got a really good one for us today. Why don't you take a minute, share with us, and then expound on that?
1: Sure. So I read the book uh, *The War of Art* by Stephen Pressfield, um, and he deconstructed a William, deconstructed a William Blake quote, which says, "Eternity is in love with the creations of time." And um, in this quote, Blake distinguishes eternity from time, which suggests the existence of a higher infinite space, while simultaneously he acknowledges their interplay. And the author of the book, Pressfield, goes on to write about eternity's influence on whatever we create, like life is breathed into it um, and its purpose. And, you know, that aligns with, you know, the way I think and the fact that I don't think anything is accidental. You know, whether you're creating poetry, um, you know, in this case a nonprofit program, a personal relationship, whatever your quote-unquote art is at the time, Um, inspiration will always find its way in if you
0: allow for it. Inspiration will always find its way in if you allow for it. Great, great, great quote. That's a great book, by the way. So if you haven't read it, folks, run out and get it. Listen to the audio book. It's one you definitely want to have on your shelf. So, Charlie, we're hanging out there in North Carolina, just kicking back having a cup of coffee with friends. And, You've shared a little bit with us about you personally, and I'd like you to maybe dig a little bit deeper and and share some more about your story, how you got to where you are, how you got to this place where you're now the president and CEO of a awesome thriving nonprofit. Maybe talk with us a bit more about you personally, if you can.
1: Sure. Sure. So, you know, like I said, you know, I had one goal was to play college basketball and that was really where I put a lot of my focus growing up. I don't know that i would not do this again if I could, but i I didn't seek out the guidance really to to figure out what I wanted to do from there, you know academically professionally um so I really figured it out as I went along, so I graduated with an undergrad degree in psychology and didn't really know what to do with it because I didn't have a master's in that field, so I ended up going back to school and getting my teaching degree um, in in secondary education English um, as another undergrad and then right away followed up with a master's degree um, in curriculum and, and instruction so You know, at one point, I decided that teaching was the route for me, which was really aligned with my passions. I had a heart for building kids that's not ever changed for me, and so through my experiences as a teacher, you know, I took one opportunity after another. I started out in Pennsylvania teaching at a school called Kids to Peace, which is an alternate school for um, kids who were removed from their public schools for fighting, gang affiliation, you know, doing some type of... Misconduct behavior, and so you know, I was in this school, caring for these kids and teaching these kids, and they're just kids. I mean, they're just really good kids, and just for whatever reason, had terrible situation that, um, that put them in this place, and um, that really ignited my passion to continue teaching kids in North Carolina, which is where I moved to. My family had lived down here, and, and found myself in a school that was somewhat similar, but it was actually their public school, um, a public school, a middle school. You know, I had these experiences now working with young kids who were at-risk youth, and then um, kids who didn't have the most optimal parent support at home, um, and then put myself in another position to teach at uh, an independent school where it was like the exact opposite. So kids were had incredible opportunities to succeed, and um, more personal attention from their teachers, and, and definitely at home. So I got to see a spectrum of opportunity and. See how the parents and kids work together to take advantage of those opportunities and really just found that my life changed as I was teaching these young people, you know, and then, you know, on the sideline, I had this desire to build something, um, and to create a, a, a program that just kind of tugged at my heart the whole time. So I was putting together, you know, business plans here and there and meeting with people, uh, but nothing really aligned until we hit it with this young Leads program, uh, which we can talk more about, but that took me to this place now where I could leave teaching, which was really a risk because I was comfortable there to start something that hadn't existed, but really um, a risk I was willing to take to jump in and to, to co-found and create this program. So that has really been um, the long story behind getting to where I am today, but um, it's been a tremendous growing process for me and seeing, you know, how taking risks and, and, and leaning on people and having mentors really pays off
0: Yeah, um,
1: and allows for growth.
0: I really love that. You know, the thing that, that I got from that story and your journey is that here you were going through life and the thing that really was driving your passion, you took that and turned it into where you are today, which I think is so significant. You know, a lot of times we, we think we have to create something that doesn't necessarily fit in with what we have been doing and what we're passionate about. But you know, Shali sharing her story and how she was do- doing life and, you know, listening to her heart. And as a result of that, created this phenomenal nonprofit, which Shali, go ahead and dive right in, because you know what? I'm intrigued um, when I introduced you. Uh I, I, I kinda shared that you use Jay Z lyrics and stand up <laughs> comedy as a as a way to re engage and engage young people. And so talk to me a little bit about that. Talk a little bit about uh young elites and what are you guys doing over there?
1: Yeah, no, um <laughs> you know, it's funny, I I've been fortunate to um build build really good relationships with the young people that I've worked with and you know, I'm getting a little older now, so the relevance is a little harder for me. I have to do some research um, at times, but, um, you know, music and what's prevalent in uh, society happens to be a lot of entertainment and stand-up comedy at the time, but, you know, it's a way to reach young people, and it helps that I enjoy these things, so, you know, being being relevant and being, you know, cool in, in the high school world is of utmost importance, and Young Elites really is uh, captures that as that essence. The program itself is for high school girls. It's year-round programming, though it started with a leadership summit in 2012 so the only program is in a really good place it's got good momentum and great people behind it and where we are right now is registering for this young Leagues leadership summit so this will be our fifth and like I said we piloted our first one in 2012 and we did so because we saw a need so there was a lack of leadership programming at the high school level and we have been hearing about this from college coaches and administrators telling us you know I could look through a whole team and not pick out one leader you know, and since then, we've been seeing a lot of college programming pop up that teaches leadership skills, um, and we attributed that to the lack of that teaching at the high school level. So Susan Grabowski and I co-founded this program, and and, and we saw after this summit, 30 girls were changed, and it was huge. It was The impact was, I mean, it was mind-blowing. So, you know, I left teaching, and we started working together on this full-time, and we built that full-year program to teach these leadership skills. And what we found, actually, is, like, yes, we were teaching leadership skills, like, um, critical thinking and emotional intelligence and uh, mentorship, but, but what was going on in the bigger picture is that these girls were gaining confidence, they were gaining character, they were gaining self-esteem. So now, you know, to date we've had over 500 girls go through this program, um, wow. and we have girls in college now who are volunteering back in and role modeling for our young people. And girls wanting to get involved throughout the year, we have an ambassadors program um, that started with six, and then next year 17, and next year 30, and now they're 57. Um, girls out there at all these different schools in our Huge. community and uh, we have girls coming from out of state asking how to get involved so um, you know, we're so grateful for the growth and the partners who make this possible. It's, uh, it's definitely doing something special for our, our young people.
0: That is amazing. It's quite amazing and uh, man I love what you guys are doing. You talk about changing an entire generation of young people's lives. What better reward could you ever get? Thank you so much for sharing that Shiley. So Charlie, when you've reached this place where you are today, you know, that's, there can be this perception that, that everything has always went great and you've never had any problems. And you talk with us a little bit about some things that happened when you were younger. And, and, and man, do I want to get into that? But, you know, people look at you and they're like, man, she's got it together, you know, but the reality is you and I know that there have been what I like to call valley moments and you and I have had our fair share. So, can you just be real with us today and and like tell us what's been the most difficult valley moment for you?
1: yeah, no i you know I'd love to think that you know I just had it together <laughs> but that, that that would be the most dishonest thing I could tell you in my case it was about ten years ago i I was about a week away from living in my car, like literally um that was my my plan of attack. I was living in uh Pennsylvania and then spent the summer, left to spend the summer with my sister and her son um, in South Carolina. And I was scheduled to start student teaching um, in the fall back up in Allentown, Pennsylvania, but my living arrangements fell through last minute. So I I had no money and I had no ties. Really, I had no ties up there anymore since my family had moved south. Um, But a friend of mine who was working out of state arranged for me to stay with her family in Reading, which is about 30, 40 minutes away from uh, where I was planning to teach. But um, her family basically, they just took me in uh, and made sure I was taken care of because I mean, I had nothing like zero. And Mrs. Houseman was my friend's mom's name. She used to, get, I remember her, she used to give me like $20 a week and say, here, make sure you eat this week. <laughs> you know, there was a point when I had my car taken and, you know, they got it back for me. They got it fixed and filled it up with gas. And, you know, they just, they did everything to make sure that I had an opportunity because they saw something in me, which, I, quite frankly, I'm not sure I saw it myself. I was just trying to hustle at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, she'd wake up in, in, at five in the morning and make coffee before I would leave to teach. And, you know, I'd see little notes and newspaper articles on my bed when I got back uh, at midnight. So, you know, I, I paid back every dollar they gave me, but I feel like I'll forever be indebted, you know, to my friend and her family. It, it was a pretty humbling seven or eight months, um, but it definitely changed me forever, mm-hmm. you know, for short. So wow. I think that taught me about giving, yeah, and the power of really being quiet and just doing the right thing and making it possible for someone to really reach their potential. Um, Sometimes they just need a little cushion, a little confidence.
0: That's pretty heavy. Um, And man, I appreciate you being so vulnerable. You know, I, I just, I love your resilience and, you know, your never give up approach to yeah. life. And um, that's why, why you are where you are today and making a difference in so many people's lives. So let's just continue along this path. And I want to go a little bit deeper, not that you haven't been deep already. Um, <laughs> but, you know, on our show, it's called Faith Factor Impact for a reason. Um, we believe cool. that there is a faith factor at work in every person that's making a difference in the world. And, you know, it's the one mm. thing that propels you to keep moving. In spite of the odds, to keep going no matter what the roadblocks may be, and so it's your why. So, so talk with us, Charlie, about what's your fate factor. What's your why? Why do you keep going in spite of uh, maybe some challenges that uh, you perhaps have faced?
1: Yeah, no, I love that. What's your why? I love that. Um, man, Jesse, we're going deeper, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm, here. i I'm a big believer that, uh, you never choose the life that you chose, right? In every way I feel like this life picked me. And I couldn't have told you I'd be doing exactly this today. Um, but I do know that I'm a leader and, you know, my back's against the wall. That's when I step up. So my sister passed away. She, she passed away almost three years ago. Um, she had cancer and she fought that fight for, um, two and a half years and the last year of her life. was was devastating it was very difficult um but in that time you know we we met this amazing um, attorney who helped her get full custody of her son and make it possible really for me to adopt him um, when she knew she wouldn't be here anymore and then when that happened it felt like in an instant I was down a sister and then up one seven-year-old boy and life would never be the same so it just was irreversibly changed Mm -hmm. um so really what's bigger than me and propels me to move forward in spite of odds and challenges are my responsibilities to my family. Mm-hmm. You know, I get to honor my sister by raising her son. Um, I get to be alive and continue to work and make young people better. Um, as a teacher, I was doing that in the classroom, but now I get to do that through this nationally uh, recognized program in Young Elite. So it sounds so simple, but literally knowing I get to live, um, that's a powerful motivator for me every morning I wake up.
0: Simple. No, not simple at all. I mean, that is a reason to keep going. And and boy, are you doing it. So let's get into some leadership. And I know you're all over leadership. Everything about young elites is about leadership. And so let's dive in. So, you know, when I talk to successful leaders like yourself, there's often this defining moment along your leadership journey that really influenced the direction that you decided to take. What would you say has been the greatest influence in your leadership style well you know you i mean you, you touched on
1: it earlier but you know for me my experience playing college basketball really taught me the requirements of leadership so you know, i don't know if it's still this way now but in the years i played i remember only 50 percent of our freshman classes made it through to their senior year so mm-hmm. the other 50 percent quit somewhere along the way and that was half the people you came in with um so this is really where, you know, this experience is where I learned the intangible leadership skill of mental toughness. Um, there are no excuses. You know, maybe you can recount some of these experiences when you played. Oh testing.
0: yeah, you definitely. Can't blame,
1: you know, you can't blame injuries. You can't just show up. You know, you'd have to practice just to be good at practice. Right. Um You know, there's countless life lessons, and um, but you know, I don't think I'll ever have um, a job or that's physically, mentally, or emotionally demanding as my experiences as college athletes. So. You know, I'm thankful for those days and the way they shaped me and my, um, you know, my perspective on leadership.
0: Pretty good. Pretty good. It'll do it. So, Charlie, we believe that effective leadership uh, can be the difference between surviving and thriving. And as a <laughs> nonprofit or for purpose leader, what does effective yeah. leadership mean to you and what would you say separates the good from the great?
1: You know, I think this really comes down to leading by example and, you know, First person that comes to mind when, when you say effective leadership is David Marsh, and he's a four time Olympic swim coach for SwimMac Carolina and Team USA. He's actually head coaching the women's swim team in the Olympics this summer in Rio. Um, and Young Elite's partners with Swimac, so I've had the opportunity to speak with him and watch the way he works with his coaches and his team. And what I what I noticed about him that makes him so effective, and I'm sure there's I'm missing most of them, but I see him be a listener. He's quiet, and yet he's able to communicate his expectation for excellence. And what's even more effective is how he's he's able to create buy-in amongst his athletes. So he's created a culture where his swimmers actually speak for him by demanding the most from each other. Um, And then he's on the world stage and put his team elite and swim that forward and getting there. It's just amazing. So the skills I see in him is what qualifies as effective leadership.
0: So there's a lot yeah, of research um out there on us operating in our area of strength to get the greatest results. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on Faith Factor Impact, we believe that God has given every individual a genius level talent is what we called it. And so tell us about what your genius talent is, uh, Shiley, and uh, how do you manage to focus on that strength uh day in and day out? Yeah,
1: no, I love that genius talent. I think that's a bold statement, you know, and that's one thing that. And this is just kind of a sidebar, but one thing we try to teach our young women, women is that it's okay to say, Hey, I have a genius talent or a strength too often. I think we kind of shy away from saying something that bold, but um, I love the way you put that forward. You know, I think, I think my genius talent is my ability to build a team. You know, I don't know if this stems from being a point guard for so long, which um, clearly I've aged out of that role, um, but you know, I feel like I know which positions are cru- crucial and, and who needs to be where and, um, where we need them to be. Uh, you know, an example of this is Young uh, recently brought on, We, you know, we hired a new program director, uh, Naya Johnson, and she's fantastic. Um, she's, a, she's actually a student at UNC Charlotte, um, graduating this the spring, um, but she brings a great connection with our young women, and her heart is to serve and to grow as a woman in leadership. Um, Naya really strengthens our organization, um, and she's, you know, been added to our team. You know, I think operating consistently in this area of strength is important because our people truly are our organization. So this isn't like a one or two player game. We wouldn't be anything without the community around us. Um, And we want our team to reflect the strength in our community and the integrity of our mission. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maintaining the discipline of operating consistently in this area of strength as you asked is, you know, I'll call on a mentor, um, talk to where we are and just listen. You know, I'll take notes and do research and take more notes. But, um, you know, I've been fortunate to have made some really good relationships personally, you know, through teaching and now through this young ladies program. So, yeah, you know, I'm thankful for how people have pointed to me too over the years that yeah. I can have these opportunities now.
0: You, you know, you hit something on the head that I just want to circle back to. It's like we shy back from being bold about the things that we're really good at, but you know, right. here's the deal folks you, there's something, there's a gift that you have. And as long as you are being bashful about that and you're not owning that and then living that out, you won't fulfill your full potential. And so figure out what that strength is. And as has shared, she's the point guard in her organization. She knows where people need to be. She gets them to the right place and they can have success. And so as long as you identify that strength, identify that genius talent that God has given you, everything else will begin to line up in such a, a an awesome way. I highly encourage you to do that. Don't back down. Don't shy out to, to be all that, that you were designed to be. So, good stuff. So Charlie, I want to get into our 10 second response round here and okay. I want to get inside of your head and so name the top <laughs> two skills you believe are needed to be successful as a nonprofit leader that were perhaps not as critical before.
1: Okay, 10 seconds. Okay. Authenticity, your ability to be honest, transparent and genuine, I think contributes directly to the integrity of your organization. Authenticity and gratitude. You know, people give their time, money, energy because they see the impact they're making in our young women and we, We would not be possible without these people. So showing our thankfulness is everything. So authenticity, gratitude, essential.
0: Share one to two tactics you use to attract others with great talent to be a part of what you're doing.
1: We are very honest about why we're working so hard to build this program. I can give you a statistic. So the Dove Self-Esteem Fund report showed that 7 out of 10 girls believe they're not good enough or do not measure up in some way. That's ridiculous. So we started in 2012, or you know, since then, over 500 young women have gone through our Young Leaders program and have developed not just critical leadership skills, but also confidence, good character, and self-esteem. So we're honest about why we're doing this, and I think that attracts people to want to join
0: our cause. If you could instantly gain a skill set of any leader you admire, what would that be and dare who that leader is?
1: Yeah, no, so, so when I was growing up, Michael Jordan was my hero. And now I also have a major admiration uh, for Jay-Z, which you talked about earlier. <laughs> yes. Um, as business people. So I know that's not an orthodox response, um, but both of these people are geniuses at building their personal brands. I think if I could instantly gain one skill set, um, I would want their brand building savvy.
0: Love that. I'll take it too. What is something <laughs> you struggle with the most?
1: So this is this is something I'm working on all the time, and that's just being able to switch gears um, and be present when I'm with my family. You know, I've gotten a lot better over the last couple of months of this, actually, because um, it's more top of mind right now. But it's something I'm conscious about when I leave the office, about how much I'm on my phone, taking calls, answering emails. So I struggle when I'm constantly making, making sure I'm conscious about that.
0: All right, so let's talk about community work and strategic partnerships. So, Charlie, what's the one big thing you're working on right now that you're most excited about? And I, I want—I'm so eager to give it away because I know what's coming up. But why don't you go ahead and <laughs> share with us?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, like I said earlier, our Young Race program has really good momentum and great people behind it, um, behind it, and we are actually in the registration session for our June 13th through 17th. 2015 Young Week Leadership Summit. This is our showcase week-long event, and we'll cap this year's participation at 120 high school girls. So high school girls right now are currently applying for our summit. And what's amazing is that upon their selection, each girl receives a full scholarship to attend the summit. So you know we're always seeking scholarship providers. You know people can go to our website and, and be a provider provider in that way really our individual contributors and partners make it possible for every young woman to have this opportunity for free. So no one today has ever paid to go through our program. And this summer week in particular, so we schedule a combination of intellectual, physical, and team building challenges led by experts. So this mix pushes girls in and out of their comfort zones, which is where the growth happens. And it's, it's such a special, incredible experience to watch these young women go through from Monday to Friday and be changed. You know, we theme our days according to our elite acronym. So Monday theme is excellence, Tuesday leadership, Wednesday initiative, Thursday tenacity, Friday execution. So each speaker of the physical challenge actually teaches a leadership skill, which is underlined with one of these themes. So the girls are taking away a ton um, throughout the week. Um, like I said, it's life changing because there's something different that each girl takes away that makes an impact on them personally. Yeah. This really makes our program different. I mean, it stands out because we're doing this, like I said, at no cost and And then we have these experts who are coming in to teach our young women and pour into them. So this, I mean, this summit, this year is really on pace to be our best yet. So we're excited. This is the big thing you asked about. Um, we're, We're gearing up for it.
0: Good stuff. So June the 13th through the 17th. Did I get that right? Yes. Full scholarships. If you are interested in supporting, you like what you hear and you want to support Young Elites, Shali and her team uh, to continue to do the great work that they're doing, Uh, you can head over to youngelites.org and uh, get involved. So, Shali, you've got a lot of stuff going on, obviously. How do you think about cultivating strategic partnerships? And if you could share uh, one example of a partnership that's been the most successful and tell us why that's the case.
1: Sure. Yeah, our Young Elite program thrives on partnerships. And one example of a strategic partnership that has been successful for us is our partnership with Davidson Day School. So when we piloted our 2012 Leadership Summit, Davidson Day is where we wanted it to be. Um, And after that summit, the school saw how special this program was like we did. And Davidson Day essentially donated their entire campus to Young Elite for each of our Leadership Summits to date. Uh, and their staff, they go above and beyond to prepare their facilities, provide top-notch hospitality for, our, you know, 100-plus participants. We have volunteers, staff, speakers, VIP guests. So, this I mean, this is a great strategic partnership, really a win-win for both of us.
0: Well, Shali, I just love what you said. You're like, man, we couldn't do it without partnerships. Everything we do relies on that. And so the reason I, I like to you know, dive into this strategic partnership question is because, you know, far too often we try to you know, change the world by ourselves and we don't think about others um, who are dying to get involved, but we do need to be thoughtful about it. We need to reach out to them. We need to maximize our network, which is exactly what you just did. And by doing that, It changes, can literally change the course of where your nonprofit organization is going and its future. And so not Mm -hmm. connecting with people and other organizations and being thoughtful about that limits you uh, to some degree. And so uh, be encouraged by Shali's story, the success they've been able to have, the partnerships that they've developed and uh, figure out if you haven't already uh, who you're going to partner with strategically to to do the good work that, that you're out there trying to. Uh, to develop, so awesome, awesome, awesome. So, Charlie, name one thing you've done a- as you think about your journey with Young Elite's t- to leverage technology to accomplish the goals that you've set out to achieve, and talk with us a little bit about uh, what that looks like and 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 so forth.
1: Sure. So, you know, one one major way we leverage technology, you know, we really maximize our capabilities on our website. You know, we built this site in-house and continue to update it. Um, our online fundraising site is linked to it. We'll make, uh, you know, that makes it easier, really, than ever to donate to the Young program. I Programming. Mean, we do as much as we can with the resources we have. You know, we'd love to do more, but um, we've definitely leveraged technology and really our creative strengths to help accomplish some of our marketing and fundraising goals. I'd say that's the top way we really... Manage to leverage
0: technology. You know, I like that, and and I want you to dive in a little bit because you know one of the things I want people to hear is that you talked about you and your team basically developing your website to where it is today in house. And so, how did you start? What did that look like? How did you even learn how to create a website? It's (laughs) a little bit easier these days than it used to be, but share with us how how did you do that?
1: Yeah, no, I mean when we did this, it was so was fall two thousand twelve and. Um, we had to look up, you know, really where was the best site provider for us to start. And I mean, it, it came down to resources and what we could do. I asked to, you know, give me a shot at it because I had a little bit of creativity in me. Um, and I tend to frequent websites that I personally think are cool. So, you know, I got a little inspiration from what I did, um, uh, you know, from my research. We found the right website uh, provider and, you know, just started playing and building. And it looked really cool to start. You know, And of course we've tweaked it and. Uh, modified it as our program has grown. Um, and, and again, <laughs> you, ha- we're working with high school, you know, kids and it's gotta be cool and it has to be really fresh and visually appealing. And so we've managed to keep this updated and stay really like where the trend is right now. You should be with a decent website that people, I can p- probably pay thousands and thousands of dollars for, you know. So we've done our best, like I said, with our resources to provide something that is comparable to what you see from organizations who are really putting their money out there in that in that direction.
0: Awesome. Good stuff. So um, we think that measuring your impact is important. And, you know, how do you use data currently to determine whether or not you're moving the needle in, in the direction you want it to go?
1: Yeah, this is, I mean, this is the heart and soul, being able to keep moving forward, you know, collecting data is vital because it tells us we're doing what we say we're doing, you know, which is teaching um, eight leadership skills. So we teach critical thinking, emotional intelligence, fitness and wellness, identifying strength and goals, mentorship, professionalism, service, and teamwork. Um, so at each leadership summit, we'll survey the girls in the very first day before they've gone through any of the sessions. And then we'll survey them again at the very end of the week. Uh, and we'll ask the same questions in the front and back of the summit to measure how they've learned the skills that we've taught and you know, we found that through this data, you know, we can say we've had success in teaching all eight leadership skills, you know, because the results show that their confidence and ability in each skill area is very high. So it goes from, you know, not high to very high by the end of the week. And there's several points of measurement in there. But we're, in the, but we're using this data now to show, you know, our programming is effective. Girls are walking away with leadership skills, bringing them back to their schools in the fall and moving on, on to their colleges or, you know, careers. With new skills in their tool belt that they hadn't had before they came to our summit.
0: Love it, love it. You know, I'm so encouraged by this, and I'm, I'm I'm so thankful that you shared that because you know some of those things are really kind of soft things, and it's oftentimes hard to measure them. But man, using a pre and post survey is not difficult. But you gotta be thoughtful about it. And so I'm encouraged and excited that you guys are using that methodology to determine whether or not they're actually picking up on the skills that you're trying to teach them. So congratulations. Uh thanks a lot for sharing that. So Shali, fast forward to two thousand and eighteen. And I know that seems like it's so far away, but boy does it go fast. (laughs) What does success look like for you? You
1: know, I think about generally I think about um in two thousand eighteen you know, I love for young elites to be thriving. That will be success. Our first class um, of young elite grads, you know, they're already in college now, but they'll be young professionals and they'll be out there having a positive impact um, in our communities and, and on our economy. They'll be volunteering and role modeling for for the younger women um, back here at our summit. You know, I'd love if young elites had a balance of local and national partnerships and sponsorships. You know, I see more girls attending our programming uh, from out of state, and I think that there will be young elites high school clubs and college student organizations popping up all over the country. We just started to do that, you know, now here. So I could really see that happening over the next couple of years.
0: I call it so dream big, baby. We're taking this to international (laughs) waters. Uh, (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I I love that, Charlie. Thank you so much. Um, And your 2018 certainly looks bright. So before I let you go, if you could talk to your younger self, what advice would you give Little Shyly?
1: <laughs> oh, boy. You know, I tell myself to, to open up more to people I trusted. You know, there were teachers and coaches who would have been willing to help me navigate through my, you know, my college selection process. And even the troubles I was having, you know, like I mentioned earlier with bullying. You know, there wasn't a young elite when I was in high school. So, you know, it really would have been, I would, you know, tell myself, hey, it's your responsibility, you know, seek out proper mentors, and um, build these relationships. I think I was missing that as a young person, or I didn't take advantage of it as a young person.
0: Sure. One book you've read that has had a lasting impact on the way you approach your work.
1: Yeah, so there's a book called Whatever It Takes, written by Paul Tuff, and it tells the story of how Griffey Canada started the Harlem Children's Zone in New York City where um, educational achievement was at a low. And, you know, what he did was he sectioned off Harlem block by block, and started doing what people thought was impossible, which was teaching an impoverished community how to succeed in school. You know, and this model that he created has been replicated in other major cities since because it works. You know, after I read this book when I was teaching, I remember um, after I read it, I emailed my one of my grad school professors, and I, you know, I was like, "How do I start a school?" Yeah, I was I was ready, like I was ready to start making a bigger societal impact at that point. Um, so that book for me was a game changer.
0: Share one action our listeners can take in the next week to pursue their desire to impact their community.
1: Sure. So you know if they you know they're not doing it already, you know if you got an opportunity to pull a young person up um, and mentor, you know just being a positive presence um, is putting them in the right direction. You know, or email us um, for ways to get young women in their community involved, young elites, and to get involved with young
0: elites themselves. Where can we go and find out more about you, Shirley?
1: Well, you said it earlier. So our website, youngleaf.org, um, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. You can email me directly at shiley at youngleaf.org uh, or even call us directly at
0: 704-402-8702. The difference between the you now and the you later is the people you meet and the books you read. And you've been listening to Shiley and Jay Everline. And head over to faithfactorimpact.com and access the show notes page. For this interview and other episodes and until next time let's go make an impact